Let, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for um, who you are once again, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you that your spirit is here with us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be our teacher this morning. I'm inadequate. I know that you work through me, but as, as just a, um, a man, I am inadequate to teach all the truths that you have in your, your word and to teach what, what we have in front of us today. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would come and teach. Give us understanding. Give us a spirit of understanding to be able to uh, run after the things of the Lord. And to be able to understand and to comprehend comprehend them. And not only to understand, Lord, as far as knowledge, but to apply those things to our lives and, and actually change our lives so that they reflect more your image. So thank you so much for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a little housekeeping note. If you didn't see your emails this morning, um, I really... I'm going to tell you, if, if Ruth knows me well, my girls, but this is a stretch for me, okay? So I'm going to stretch, and I want you all to stretch with me, okay? Um, I I like this to be more of kind of a teaching, a little more interactive. Um, so if you if you have a question, if you have something that you just go, you know what, I'm, I'm not quite sure I get what you're saying there, um, would you please go ahead and ask, raise, you know, raise your hand or whatever, let me know because um, I would I would like for you to understand more than anything uh, what what I'm going through, and a lot of times what happens is the Holy Spirit will want to lead and guide and direct uh, the conversation in a little bit different way, and so He'll use you, and He'll say and He'll say you know ask Him this, and it'll it'll immediately take things a little bit different path, and so you can enter in with what the Holy Spirit's doing by saying hey. Um, what about this? Could you or could you explain this again? Uh, there's also uh, something when they uh, that they teach you when you're learning to do communications called the curse of knowledge. Um, and what it is is you know something, um, and so you are operating on the things that you know, and people don't operate in the same. Um, I wasn't going to go into all this, but uh, um, here, here's a, here's a good example. What song is this? Y'all are going, it's perfectly clear to me. I know what song it was. Do you? <laughs> right? That's, yeah, they're really good at this. I don't know why. <laughs> but, um, but it, that's called, they call that the curse of knowledge. You know and you understand what you're saying and you know what, what you're trying to say. And a lot of times people aren't quite on the same page, right? So that happens to me too. So if, if, I, if I'm saying something and everybody's like, ah, I'm like, please let me know. As, as well, um, if, some, if somebody's online, if you can break in and say, hey, um, you know, can, could you please clarify or, or have a question that way? Um, it's more important for me to interact and for everybody to understand than it is actually to get something that is something that you can put online and go, hey, look, this is a guy's sermon, all right? Um, so as I'm doing this, I, I remember I was, I was roofing years ago, and um, I, was, I was working with a guy who was, what I considered an older roofer, which is probably meant 35 to between 35 and 40 at the time. And uh, I remember he was saying something to me about, he said, you know, the, the most important part of a building is the roof because it protects everything that's inside, which is kind of true. But, you know, when I was thinking about it more, when we were, when we were roofing, we did some of the new construction homes and they would, they would take a foundation and they would they would lay you know pour the the footings and the stem wall and then pour a slab on this foundation and it could sit out in the rain for months because it was a concrete foundation and the rain wasn't going to do anything to it now i agree you put the 
you put the wood up and you put the roof up and once you get water going through the roof it, it will blow out sheetrock and it will make a mess and your wood will rot out but i tell you what that foundation it'll stand and then you know you uh you take the foundation and you start building and you put start putting walls up not bad walls. These are good walls. And you can you can think about even the walls. You know this way. You know you might you might have Penny and you might have Tim and you might have Steve and you might even have you know Jane and the Whites here here. You can even keep going with Ruth and David and Shannon, right? But what happens if that foundation all of a sudden is stripped away? In, in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 says, So then you are no, this is verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Hey, Kyla, could I get you to do me a favor? Would you come and, since you're kind of a little peanut here, would you come and pick these up for me so that I'm not stepping on them? Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. So the built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets... If, if that is the foundation, the apostles and the prophets are the foundation, what happens if those get all jerked out from underneath the, the building? And we wonder where the church is. We're going to start this morning talking about the apostle and... Can I make sure I can, this is in a spot where people can see both here and online. Are we good, everybody? And I've been told I need to make sure and write large enough, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, and... All right. So we're going to talk about the apostle today, but it's hard not to talk about in some way a lot of times all together, and especially the apostle and the prophet, as I just read in Ephesians 2, they really go hand in hand to a, to a huge extent. If you read my email this morning, I said there, I, uh, there's a great story about two hands, and uh, that I was going to save that for a little bit later, because... Um, you know, two hands have to really learn to work together. They're, they're very different. Have, have you ever tried to put on, you know, a, um, a left-hand glove on your right hand? It doesn't work very well. I mean, you can do it because you can flip it upside down, but especially some of the gloves, they don't work very well. You know, because you have, you have the thumbs that are on opposite kind of sides, right? But when, you wor- when they work together, you can get something done. There's, there's a story, I don't know, I'm going to tell you... I, I don't know how true it is, but Jimmy Durante um, was called on to do a, um, a, a show for some veterans. And they, they said, hey, can you, will you come and, and do this, this show for these World War II vets? 
And he said, I really, I'm, I'm super, super busy. I'm not sure I have the time on my schedule. I've got to catch a ferry. And they said, would you just come and do a little bit? He said, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do just a few minutes. That's all I've got. And so he, he got out on stage and uh, did a short monologue, and everybody's clapping. And uh, he, he stayed. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And uh, he finally finished up, and, and the applause were huge. And he got back to the, behind the state, you know, behind the curtain, and they said, I thought you had to catch a ferry. I thought you only had a few minutes. He said, I did. I did. But, but, but look out in the front row. And uh, the, guy, the guy peered through, and, and on the very front row, there were two veterans. One of them had lost their left arm, and one had lost their right in the war. And, but together... They were clapping. He said, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. And that's what you find a lot with these gifts, is that they have to be used together in order for them to really be functional. Now, they, they, they will be used individually, but you've got to use, they have, especially the apostle and prophet, work together. Let me... Um, give just a, an illustration. It's not a perfect illustration, but how I a lot see these, these gifts. Um, the, the apostle really has his, his feet in two different um, spheres, if you will. His, one foot's in heaven because he's always, he's always listening. And he's always interacting with the Lord. He's always just really um, trying to hear what's going on and participating in the life of heaven because that's where, you know, the, the, there, there is a congregation in heaven of, of the apostles and the prophets that, that have access to the Lord. He's also got one, one foot on the earth, and he's trying to always, um, you know, structure everything and, and uh, interpret everything from the heaven to the earth so that he's interacting with people. If you, if you want to think about it, um, he, he has one foot firmly in the light and one foot kind of in the darkness in, the, in that he's trying to build um, something on earth that he's seeing in the heavenlies and reaching out to people, right? Whether that's church already believers or whether that is people who are not part of the church yet. The prophet, on the other hand, they are really kind of just uh, have both feet in the heavenlies. They're just, and, and that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, that's one, one thing that makes them a little bit weird. Um, prophets on, on the norm, and especially you look through the Old Testament, they can get just a little bit on the weird side. Um, and we'll talk about that next week. But they're, they're completely always you know, kind of functioning in the heavenlies, and they see in pictures, and they, they oftentimes are, are um, you know, the, saying stuff that makes you kind of scratch your head. And uh, that's part of their gift. And, and there's a tension in between these different gifts because they're all different. And what you should have is a, a healthy tension right, where everybody realizes that the gifts are different, and so you're encouraging even the differences and letting them be who God's called them to be, and then and them all working together. What you end up with a lot of times is this guy here drives this guy here crazy, okay? Because, uh, you know, the pastor... Um, I'm going to get back to my illustration in a second, but the pastor, you know, he's, he's one, he, he likes to get all of his sheep in the, in the corral and has them all, he's got them all numbered, you know, he, he, he counts them before he goes to bed at night, he, you know, he counts them to go to sleep at night, you know, he's got them all in a line, have you ever, anybody seen Babe, you know, okay, you know, he, he, get, he, he gets them all in, in the row and, and going back in here, that's the pastor, the prophet on the other hand comes in and he goes, Boom! And all the sheep scatter. Okay? And, and all, the, all the, the pastors are going, what did you just do? All my sheep were all nice in a row. But that's, the, that's kind of the prophet's job, is to come in, not scatter the sheep in that they're hurt, but he stirs them up. He comes in and he, he just stirs up everybody. And so they're all of a sudden going, boy, what do we do? What do we do? Not what do we do? And the pastor's going, wait, 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 wait. I had this all in order and I had this structured right. Okay, and so they drive each other crazy if they don't understand that they have different gifts, and that you know this guy here, what we'll find out, he kind of is the one to put it all structured together. So the evangelist, 
if you will. He's got two feet firmly in, if you will, on earth. or in the, in, He's ministering to the darkness a lot. He is continually, if you want to think about it, he's going behind enemy lines and rescuing hostages out all the time. You know, that's, that's his deal. I'm, I'm going to go get some. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him in. I'm going to go get more. I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to go get more. So that, that's, the, that's the evangelist. Past, the pastor teacher, he's similar to the apostle, um, but on more of a local level. The apostle's operating on a, on a much larger scale. The pastor teacher is, um, you know, he's, he's continually trying to uh, work both uh, in the light and the dark. He's, he's, he's trying to hear from heaven. He's trying to interpret that for the people. He's trying to, like I said, He's trying to make sure his all of his sheep in his flock in the flock are all nice and ordered and structured and and put in the right places at the right time. Okay, are we good so far? Um, I've got like I could probably give about thirty pages worth of notes, and I'm going to try not to. Um, so what we have with the church. Unfortunately, right now, um, where we've been for for many, many uh, generations is we've been focused on these two gifts right here. Uh, And the the Lord's been restoring the gifts uh, in the last uh, 20, 30 years. He's been bringing some of these other gifts up and really restoring them. Uh, But uh, a phrase I've heard used is, you know, the church right now is so subnormal that if we ever became normal, we would look abnormal. <laughs> Say that again. The church is so subnormal that if we ever became normal, we, we would look abnormal. Because we, we've, been, we, we've not been functioning in all the gifts. And unfortunately, what, how the church as a whole, I'm not, just, I'm not saying individually because there are pockets that are trying to do do it, uh, but as a whole, the church has been set up that if you want to be full time in ministry, you have to be one of these down here. That's just how it's been set up. Um, if you want to be full time in ministry, you have to, you've got to become a pastor, and have a church, and you know everything works that that direction. Every once in a while, you get an evangelist that's able to make it, either by traveling around or or by um, you know fundraising enough, and they can they can work. Uh, as an evangelist, but these up here um, have have had a hard time because the church hasn't been set up that way. Um, and a lot of times, what you have, what we've found is that you'll get one of these, you know, especially like your, your prophet or evangelist. They say, "Well, I'm I'm called into ministry," and they are, and they're called full time into it. But they can't be a prophet or evangelist in ministry and work full time. So they end up being a pastor, a teacher, and they their, their gifts work against each other. Right? Do you, you see how that would work? You'll have a you'll have an evangelist who comes in and says, oh, you know what? Well, the only way I can I can uh, be a in full time is I'll be a pastor, and and what it looks like it works really really well because he goes and he gathers a great big crowd, which is good. They need to be gathering a great big crowd, but they don't oftentimes have the skills to take that crowd into a deeper level of maturity in the Lord. Because, and that's not their job, which is good. That's fine. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're gathering the crowd, right? That's what an evangelist does. Let's, let's get them all saved. And he continues to get them saved every week, right? And that's fine. That's what they're supposed to do. But because the church has not been structured and ordered um, they're functioning outside, their, they're trying to function outside their gift. Um, I've seen a few times where it sort of works. You've got a really big name preacher who will gather people in, and he knows that he's an evangelist. So he makes sure that he has people on staff who are more your pastor teacher. So he'll gather a great big crowd, and he'll say, okay, I'm not, br- I'm not bringing you to maturity, but that person, that person, that person, those guys are. So I'm getting you with them. And they're going to make sure you grow up. But it takes a special person to know their gift, that, they're, that they are in that spot. Okay? Um, so let me get into the apostle a little bit. So who, who what is an apostle? It's, it's, a, it's a word that we, um, we've really looked at as 
the twelve a lot of times, the, the apostles of, of Jesus, the apostles of the Lamb. Um, but then you, it gets into, and there's about 16 or 17 different ones in the New Testament. Um, so there's a number besides the original 12. You know, you have the original 12 with Judas. Judas um, hangs himself after he uh, betrays Jesus. They, they replace him to, have the, to maintain the 12. But then you've got Paul come along. You have Barnabas. You've got Timothy. You've got Andronicus and Hunius. You've got all these, a the number of different ones that have come along, and um, I believe personally what, what happened is um, they wanted to maintain uh, the, if you will, the, the, the dignity of the 12, okay? Because the, there is a reason to have the 12 because it's a very, very symbolic number of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And what Jesus is, is doing, he's come and he's setting up the new Israel and he's setting up a, the new creation of God. So it, it's very, very symbolic. So I, I personally believe what happened is they wanted to keep that word kind of associated more with the 12. And so it, it ended up being switched over to bishop. They, um, they very early on, um, and I can show you if you want, with a couple of different historical um, authors, that they, um, uh, with Clement and um, there's a couple more, where it starts to it starts to um, transition over to bishop, and they're they're using the term bishop as uh, basically a successor of the apostles. Now, having said that, um, bishop in the New Testament or overseer is used uh, as another term for a pastor teacher. Okay, it's it's used in interchangeably with with um, overseer, elder, and pastor teacher. Okay, but early on, I, I just personally believe they wanted to set aside, set apart the 12, and it does get switched over into bishop. And you see that through um, the Catholic Church um, down to the, today even, that they recognize that the bishops are successors of the apostle. Not just, not just the, the pope, but um, we've been in a Catholic church setting where the bishop was there, and they had introduced him and said, you, you, you have a genuine apostle in your midst, bishop so-and-so. So it, even today, they recognize apostolic authority and that that has come in the form of bishops. So if anybody's wondering, a little historical lesson for you. Um, but what we have when Jesus sets up the apostles, it's, a, it's really a new terminology um, it's not something that you have in the Old Testament. There's a word that's translated for apostle. Um, it really, it's much more of a sent one. That's what apostle means, one that is sent. Um, there's actually a verb, which is off the same word. So um, you have the noun apostle. You have the verb, um, I'm going to say apostled. <laughs> it's apostello, but it you know, it, um, it means to be sent. So you have to be sent and you have the sent one. Now, who's doing the sending? Right? There's, there's the big question. Um, what, what it was is the, the, the idea is to be sent with the full authority of the sender. To be sent with the full authority of the sender. In fact, the, the rabbis um, would say um, the... The sent one is the the person himself. The sent one, it's and they use the the term. It's shalach. The the, the, the shalach is the is the person himself. The and I, I think I used in here before the illustration. Um, they would they would could send somebody to get married in someone's stead. That I could say okay. Um, David, I want you to go and marry so-and-so for me. I'm, I'm, you're going to stand in, in my wedding for, uh, with Ruth. I send him, okay. David gets over there, and, and he, he takes a look at Ruth, and he says, you know, she's not going to be a good wife for Ryan. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get, go through this marriage, and then I'm going to divorce her. I could, I could not stop the divorce settings. Um, it's the, the, the divorce... Um, Proceedings, thank you, that's what I'm looking for. I couldn't stop them even being the person who was supposed to be there in the first place. Because the sent person 
is the person himself. And we don't have a concept like that as much in um, modern-day America. We just don't, we, we, we think of a delegate, right, an, an emissary. We think of, you know, the Secretary, Secretary of State goes and represents the United States. But it's not fully the same. Jesus is the ultimate example. In Hebrews 3, it says that Jesus is our what? You may remember? He's our apostle and high priest. So who is, who, who is this? If Jesus is the apostle, who is the sent person? Who, who is doing the sending? The, the Father, right? The Father sent the Son. Um, and who is, who is the Son representing? It's not a trick question. The Father, right? Remember, Jesus, Jesus says, um, I can do nothing without the Father. I, I can't, everything I say is Father. I, everything I do, I don't do, I don't do anything except I see the Father doing it. Right? Because His authority, get this, His authority was the Father's authority. You see that? Jesus is the sent one. He's completely submitted to the Father. Complete. He, he's the most powerful person that, that the world has ever seen because he was the most submitted person the world's ever seen. His authority is not derived of himself. He is going with the authority of the one who sends him. And um, in Matthew 10, and Jesus lists the, uh, I say Jesus lists, um, Matthew lists the 12 apostles, Jesus, and then Jesus sends them out. Um, as, in verse 7, it says, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. Um, Number one, the preacher, it's, a, it's the idea of a declaration. So the king is there sending out the emissaries. He's just declared them as apostles. Okay? He sends them out with his authority, with his power. It's not their own. I'm really having trouble with this this morning. It's, I don't know why. Um, it's not their own power. It's not their own authority. They're going in the full authority of the one who sent them. Okay, so go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely re- you receive, freely give. If you, um, if you drop down to verse 40 there, it says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Do you see how that works? He receives you, receives me. Why? Because I've sent you exactly on my behalf. Anything, anything that you do or don't do to, if someone does to you, they're doing it to me. Now, you all, I'm sure, understand this, but I want this to sink into your heart a little bit. Because this is, this is really, really, the, when I first was, was looking at this, boy, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because if God has sent apostles to the church, and those apostles have been rejected by the church, what are the people actually rejecting? Jesus. Because he sends them. All these gifts, by the way, these are gifts that, that God gives. It's not that the church is ordaining. Yeah, these are the things that God has, has given to the church. And uh, by the way, you can just, if you want to reference it in 1 Corinthians 12, towards the end of the chapter, it says, uh, And God gave first apostles, second prophets, third pastors and teachers, then miracles, then administrations. Okay? So that's God's, th- th- this isn't, this isn't optional. <laughs> you know, this is 
God gave this structure here. First apostles, second prophets, um, third teachers, which that's why one reason I say that this is a, a singular group there. Uh, third teachers, then miracles, then administrations. Um, you can look it up, 1 Corinthians 12, towards the end of the chapter. Um, but if, if the apostles are the sent ones, and the church says, no, no, thank you, we'll, we'll keep on going to the next, keep on walking down the street. They're rejecting, actually, the one who was sending them in the first place. And so we need to be really, really careful. And um, that's not to say we don't test because, uh, you know, we're, we're told to test both the spirits and the people. Um, in the book of Revelation, it, it was, it, uh, you know, the, the church was supposed to test uh, for false apostles, which also should tell you that um, there were more than just the 12. Otherwise, they would say, you know what, you know the 12. If there's somebody else that comes along that says they're an apostle, they're wrong, right? That'd be easy. You couldn't have any false apostles, right? Think about it logically. You can't have any false if you know there's only 12 or there's only a, a, a little a 15 or 17 number. Anybody else? They're wrong. That's it. So you know there's more. So you continue, you test, but at the same time, you have to make, you, when, when you have somebody who's legitimately sent from the Lord, they are, they are sent from the Lord. Um, so sent with the full authority of the sender. Um, a couple of the, the marks of an apostle, uh, number one, they're going to be gentle. This is one of the hallmarks of the apostle, is, is their gentleness. Um, now, that doesn't mean to, that they will never... Um, gentleness there is not just that they are, they are continually meek and will get run over. You, you see Paul um, really get agitated a few times. All right? An apostle will know the time, say, look, no, here is the line, and you crossed it. That's, we're not happen, having that anymore. Because part of their job is to, to structure and order and to set down doctrine. And Paul makes no bones about it. You, look, you, you read the book of Galatians. He didn't even greet him. He says, to the Galatians, and then this is it. And several times, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Right? Jesus is the same way. Jesus, meek and mild, but then you read Matthew 23, Matthew 24. He's a little bit upset. You go back, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read Matthew 23 and Matthew 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you have whitewashed tombs, but you know, it looks good on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He says, your mother's a snake. He says, you're, you're, you're children of your father, the devil. Right? So, I mean, he, Jesus is upset. And an apostle can get upset, but he will be in the manner of Jesus being one who is gentle. Um, there also, um, Jesus uh, is a son to a father. Right? Do we recognize that? Right? It's the son of God. Right? Jesus derived his authority from that father-son relationship. So God, think about it this way. God is a father and God is a son. Because Jesus is God, right? So God is a father and God is a son. And that relationship there, there was a, an authority that, that came about because of that relationship. An apostle is going to be under authority. And they are going to be a son to a father. Because the authority that they have, they're, they're number one, it'll be because Jesus himself, um, by the way, um, I personally believe with the apostle, Jesus himself calls them. They will have an encounter with the Lord. I think you can, I believe you can prove that in the New Testament. Um, it's, it's more implicit than explicit, but it's implicit in about five places. So I personally believe that they will have an encounter with Jesus that, will, um, that is, is sufficient enough that Jesus has called them to be an apostle. Now, they may be confirmed by the church, but Jesus 
calls them and Jesus sends them. And so their, their authority is from him, but they'll also be in a father-son relationship on the earth. They will, it's not a, hey, I'm, I'm a lone ranger Christian. I'm going to go out and, and do whatever I want. It's, there is still an earthly authority, and they, they will have a father-son relationship on the earth because it's, that, it's a derived authority. So what, um, so an apostle is one who is sent with the full authority of the sender. Okay, an apostle is one who is sent with the full authority of the sender. Of course, the sender is is Jesus Himself. Um, but what do they do? What does an apostle do? Um, well, as a as a Christian, they spend time in prayer. <laughs> I've heard that somebody with an apostolic anointing will will pray. At, at, probably at least a good three hours a day. They're going to be a person of prayer. Um, they will, of course, preach and in, equip and empower. They'll preach, equip, and empower. This is part of, of who they are, is to, um, it's, of course, you know, Ephesians 4, um, 12, 13, it's for the equipping of the saints. Well, the apostle is the one who, who comes along and he's, he's, um, empowering and structuring all the time. He's, he's empowering with the gifts. He's also um, structuring and putting it all together. And he does it on a larger scale. Um, I, I think that goes under the next section. Sorry. Um, trying to think of my notes here. So um, they preach, equip, and empower. Now let me let me do... Let me say this. This is something really unique with the apostle. Um, the apostle, I believe, can be used with any of the gifts. He's not going to have them all. It's not like he's got them all like Jesus did. But a lot of times he will be in a position that God will say, okay, I need you to empower this person or I need you to do this as, a, as, as an example or I need you to do this, then it may be somebody else's gift that is missing in that particular body. And God will use the apostle and say, okay, step into the role. Now, does, has anybody in here taken a nut off of a bolt? Okay? You can do that with, a, uh, with some pliers, right? I've done it with some pliers. I've also stripped them with pliers. Okay? You can, you can do it with pliers. You can do it with an adjustable wrench. You can do it with a socket, right? And you want to have the best tool for the job. Now, this guy here may be able to function in one of these other capacities or another gift, but he may not be the best tool for the job. God will say, okay, I want you to do this, but I'm telling you, if, um, if there's a, a prophet here, that there's something that where, where some gifts need to be empowered, God will use a prophet instead. All right, and that's what that's how it's designed. Um, also, these will all, these will um, have secondary anointings. Okay, and it does it doesn't work the same for all of them. But the you you would uh, an apostle usually will either be an like kind of an apostle prophet an apostle evangelist, or like an apostle pastor teacher. And they'll have a secondary anointing. Okay? The, the prophet will, will do the same. They'll, you can have a prophet evangelist or kind of a prophet teacher. All right? And with a secondary anointing there. Um, and that also lends to some of the interactions between them. <laughs> um, because sometimes... They they rub they rub each other the wrong way, but um, I, I say that a little bit. I'm running way out of time. Let me get through just a couple more of these things. Um, as the church and as we see more of these gifts, we just have to give lots of grace because um, the gifts are important. And I've talked to lots of people with um, who are, I've talked to the, those who are towards office gift prophets or those with a really strong prophetic anointing and they're oftentimes rejected. They feel rejected in churches all the time. 
And we as a church, when the prophetic comes around, do we judge it? Absolutely. But uh, what we need to do is encourage that, those prophetic people, uh, whether it's an office gift or just a, a, someone who has the gift of prophecy, we need to encourage them and rally around them because, because of their gift and because of the way God uses that gift, they, feel re- they, they get rejected time after time after time, and they don't understand why. Uh, it's just because um, the church is a little bit out of order. Um, but I know we're going to be better, aren't we? I'm not, I'm not saying any, any of us that have done anything wrong. I'm just saying as a church, we're going to press in and we're going to, um, that's why we're teaching this. So they preach, equip, empower. They also structure doctrine. You see this with Paul all the time. Um, he's always, you know, tweaking this and, and telling people here you need to do this, 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 this you did right, this you did wrong. Make sure it's this way. In fact, he'll say something like this. Um, if anybody comes in and teaches you a different doctrine, I don't care if it's an angel, I don't care who it is, let them be accursed. If it's a different gospel than what I've taught you, that's it. Kick them out. That's pretty strong. All right? They're structuring doctrine. Um, they also structure and order church life, which just means the gifts not just the gifts, but also how people live. You see um, Paul, a lot of times, he'll get, he'll get in the middle of stuff. Um, remember 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5? Um, he says, look, I'm really upset at you guys because uh, there's a guy in there who's got his father's wife, and you all need to deal with it. And they, come, he, they, they do deal with it, and in 2 Corinthians they come back, and he says, welcome them back. They've repented, welcome them back into the fellowship. So he's structuring not only doctrine, but he's, the, the apostles will look and they'll go, okay, look, this is how you need to live. This is right. This is wrong. Do this. Don't do that. So a, a second kind of another hand of that is they also discipline. Part of the apostles' job is to, to structure um, church life. And they also do discipline. Um, and they'll also they'll ordain elders. And... Um, I also believe a lot of large part of their call is networking. Um, the the apostle and the prophet are translocal. Okay, do you, you get what I mean by that? You've got so you've got a pastor teacher who will be um, more in a local congregation, whether that is okay. You've got a small a small group here or like a town. Okay, so they you might have a pastor who is an elder in the in the town. So. Um, in, in the town of Wyndham, you know, you'll have uh, Pastor Kevin and Pastor John and um, Pastor Darren and, my, you know, all these pastors who are the elders of that location, of, of that town. Well, you'll have an apostle over, over that group. Then you might have an apostle, you know, maybe the same one will be an apostle over, you know, New London or over Hartford. Or, so they're translocal. Okay, they, they, um, and the prophet is translocal as well. Um, now, these guys, I am so out of time. These guys here um, are, the, are the churches, the individual congregation. You've got, where's my, you've got church, right? And you've got church, right? Big C and little c. Okay, you've got Abundant Life Community Church, right? You've got the Church of Jesus Christ. Got it? The Apostle and the Prophet are the connection of this church to this church. It's how they connect to the, to the larger... Sorry, John, probably doing numbers on the... Let me, let me run over this real quickly, and then I want us to take communion together. Um, so... This is the best part. I'm going to have to zip through it. What's this mean for? Uh, what's it mean for us? Um, apostles need to be received. If an apostle is received as an apostle, everything that the Lord Jesus is is received as well. Okay, that's not to say you don't test them. Right, make sure and test them. But valid ones, you. Um, it, you know, it says receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. What? What is? What does that mean? Well, if if. God keeps sending you prophets, and you say, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see, then he won't send you any more prophets. 
you don't get to hear or see anymore. You get it? Let that sink in a little bit. He wants you to hear and see, but if he sends people to you and you, and you continue to say, no, I'm not going to, no, 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 right? Right? He'll stop sending them to you. He'll say, well, you don't want to hear and see? Never mind. I'll send them to somebody else who does. Yeah, so um, you, if, when you receive a prophet as a prophet, then you get the reward or the ability to continue to hear and see. So, so um, I mean, let me let me give an example. So, I, um, you're in a relationship. Let's just say, um, I get to you know, I'm your pastor. So, and I'm acting as like a prophetic wor- a prophetic person in your life. And you come in. I've done and I've done this before with people. And I'll I'll just pray over them, and I'll say, you know what? In the next coming week, you've got this, you know, different things going on, and make sure there is a. I'm not telling you this. I'm telling. I've told somebody this before. So make sure there's. You're gonna have some appointments that you're not uh, not going to keep this week, and that's okay. God's striking those down. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Jump over them and keep on going. I told him something like along those lines. Okay. God wants you to see and hear. And as much as you continue to accept those things, God will uh, allow those prophetic people in your life and he'll send them to you so that you can continue to see and hear more and more and more. But when you say, no, I don't want to, I'm going to reject that person as a prophetic voice when it's, when it's legitimate, right? Now, other prophets are supposed to judge the prophets, right? First Corinthians 14. Um, but you reject that prophetic voice in your life, God will say, I'm not going to send you anymore. And you don't get to, the, to hear or see because he stopped sending the people to you to, talk, to tell you what he's saying. Does that make sense? Good. Thank, thank, you, for, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Because for a while, it, didn't, I, I, it took me a, quite a long time to get that. But I, I ultimately went, you know what? God will stop sending people. Um. Um, they impart, the apostles impart gifts. Um, God will often, he'll use a prophet if the prophet is available. Uh, but the apostle actually will bring a lot of structure to the gifts. The, the, the prophet will come in and say, here they are, boom, take them and run. And then the apostle's like, hey, you, take them, yes, run, don't. Let's get you all in order and so that we're all working together. Because it's when you have synergy that you actually cre- do a lot more than when everybody's just trying to do everything to, in, at, at their own speed. Yeah. Yep, thank you. Um, I wish I had the numbers exactly here. So synergy is like this. If, um, you can take one horse, and let's say you, you hook a draft horse up, and um, Craig would probably be able to tell me the exact numbers. You, you can hook a draft horse up, and let's say they can pull one ton, right? One draft horse. But if you hook two draft horses up, they don't pull just one ton. They'll pull like five or seven tons because of the synergy, all right? It's, not, it's, it's the combined, the combined do not equal the parts of, you know, one plus, 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 and plus. The, when you combine them, they are a lot more. You get, you, did you see that? So if, if one does like one, two doesn't just do two. Two will do like three or five. Okay, and, and that, that is the same way with the gifts that um, we might all have individual gifts and then it's not just your gift working and your gift working equals, you know, the sum of those. It just, when you put all the gifts together, it multiplies instead of adds. Thanks, Penny. Um, okay. Um, so one of th- one of the things that apostles have is is uh, you'll they have received power, but um, this is how my understanding of from what I've kind of heard and um, what God wants to do in this day and age is um, to reveal the people, 
much more than the power behind it. Let me, let me um, kind of take that a little bit further. Uh, the power, the miraculous, the signs and wonders are a lot of how we need to interact with the world. And what God wants to really do is to focus a lot on the people he's ra- raising up and it not to be this just kind of power encounter thing, um, although there will be some of that, uh, but to really focus on the character of the apostolic. Okay? Now, I believe that we're getting to, very, very quickly, I believe we're getting to the point where God's going to begin to empower in, in a much more dramatic way those who he's called to be apostles. But we're still at the really early stages of getting people raised up to be apostles. Okay? So in those really early stages, I think the Lord has just kind of pulled back a little bit and said, yeah, let's, let's focus on character. Because um, with any of us, with all of us, God doesn't grant the power and authority to people he doesn't trust. There's a trust there. And when he trusts you enough, he says, okay, here you go. But he doesn't want us just running out and, and willy-nilly, you know, doing whatever we want to with the power and authority. We have to get to the point that we're submitted like Jesus. Now, let me finish up with this one last point very, very quickly. Um, when did Jesus receive all the power and the authority? Good, but what's that? He received it from the Father. At what point? When, okay, Matthew 28 happened when? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. At what, what point of, of Jesus' life was that? We have, right after he rose, right? With death comes authority. The more you die, the more authority you've got. Mostly, you'll, you'll see legitimate apostles have gone through lots of deaths. I'm not talking physically dying. I'm talking they've gone through deaths in their ministry, deaths where they've gone through major life circumstances, deaths where they've just, you know, they, all they've had to hang on to is Jesus. And the more deaths that they go through and where they, have, where they make it through, um, because a lot of times they say, I'm done. <laughs> That's it, Lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. But when they make it through it, God grants him more authority. All right? And that have, that's for all of us, but it's going to be particularly true for the, for the apostle. And that is just a real, real, real skim the surface um, of who the apostles are. When we get more into um, the, the apostle and the prophet, um, the prophetic works lot right alongside the, the apostle, I'm hoping we're, we're going to get more and more clear what these all do as we work through them.